So today, how many how many are excited to hear about double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways? Are you? I said, come next week and hear about what it means to be double-minded. I didn't see anybody go, yay! All right. So we're going to look at James 1. James 1. You know the thing I always say about these lights? They're awesome because I can't see the clock because they're so bright. It's just powerful, <laughs> except for I have a clock right here. Um, James 1. And verse 2 in the ESV. Count it all joy, my brother, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. (laughs) I always hear people say, and I've said, I'm not perfect. But the scripture says, so that you may be perfect and complete, having nothing. So what makes us perfect? We know that it's not our own self. Can I get a better amen? Amen. I know that Marvin Poole has lots of flaws. And if you've been around me, I'm not a guy who tries to put on a mask. So you've probably seen some of my flaws. Can I get a better amen? But the truth of the matter is, is that I am made perfect in Christ Jesus. This morning I was praying and I said, Lord, there's some things in my life, God, that I want you to talk to me about. Some things that I want you to speak to me about. And Lord, I invite you in my life for more, which includes more conviction upon my life. I want to have conviction in my life. I want there to be things in my life that you speak to me about that I say, Lord, I'm always willing to learn, and I'm always willing to change, and I'm always willing, Lord, to submit myself to the purpose of God. That I don't ever come to a place in my life that I think I've arrived. That I don't ever come to a spiritual high in my life, and I think that's all. But, God, you are going to finish this good work you started in me. And you're going to make me complete, and you're going to make me perfect. Look at your knife and say, your knife. Look at your neighbor and say, you're perfect. You're perfect. Complete and lacking nothing. Complete and lacking nothing. Now, I want to stop right here for a little minute. Oftentimes, we complain hear me this morning, we complain about what we think we lack. The reason we feel like we're lacking things is because we're looking at others. I'm not going to get through this message today because <laughs> I can't even get through the first scripture. We're lacking because we're looking at others and it affects our mind of what we think we should be instead of knowing who God has called us to be and being okay with that and calling it complete. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously and without reproach. (laughs) And it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. And the word man here is mankind so that applies to you too you sweet little ladies in the house you can be double-minded as well so if any of you lack wisdom let him ask and god gives generously without reproach and it will be given to him 
and let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. Faith brings steadfastness in our life. Doubt is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed to and fro. So we're in, and it's so ironic this week because we were on vacation as I was sitting on the porch and I was preparing this message, I was looking at the waves in the ocean. And I was thinking about how we don't have the ability to control the waves. You get out there on a boogie board and the boogie board is controlled by the waves. You're not in control of the boogie board. Well, at least I'm not. And so you, you, the, wave, you, the wave is controlling. It's moving things. It's changing. The, it even changes the, the ground beneath. It moves things. And so when we go into our relationship with God with this doubt and uh, misunderstanding about who we are, and we go praying and we're asking God for things, but we're having doubt as we pray, we pray a doubter's prayer. Now, a doubter's prayer sounds more like a beggar that would beg without even planning to receive. So I hope for something, I, I might get something, but I doubt that I will. And most of the time we see that mentality of a beggar who has been sitting at the same place asking for the same thing for a very long time. And there's not a whole lot of advancement in their life because they're praying from a doubting position. And so God wants us to pray from a position that says, I'm a child of God. He loves me and I am made perfect in him. I'm not looking in the mirror saying, oh, well, you're perfect in, within yourself. I'm looking and saying, God has made me perfect. And so I am moving into the perfection of God by faith, understanding who I am and knowing who he is. Am I making any sense to you this morning? So that's how I'm going to pray because I, I, I want to be steadfast in my faith. I want to be steadfast in my purpose. It's important to have faith that is not based on the circumstances of your life or your present need. Oftentimes, we pray for things in our present need. Lord, I need you now for this. And the truth of the matter is, if we had a prayer life that operated out of faith, it would, Lord, I need you because I love you, and you already know my needs. Do you see the difference in how I'm praying now? I'm praying, Lord, I'm in relationship with you. You know my needs. You know what I, you know my lack. You know where I need more. You know where I need less. God, you understand me. So I'm not praying from a position that like my immediate need is the most important thing in my life right now. I'm praying because my immediate need will be done because I'm in relationship with God. Does that make sense to you? So, yes, I come to God when I'm sick and I say, Lord, I'm sick, heal my body. But I've already been in relationship and prayer. And so when I come to God, I'm expecting, I'm not doubting because my relationship is founded on the goodness of God. It's not founded on my ability to perform. It's founded on the goodness of God, of who he is, and knowing that I'm a child of God and I'm not an orphan. So when I come to him, I'm coming with expectation. You with me this morning? All right, and so uh, Hebrews 11 and 1, Hebrews 11 and 1, and while you're going there, the scripture tells us that true faith in God does not waver. 
True faith in God does not waver. I, I know people say, well, you know, I'm in a, my faith may waver, or, uh, I'm, uh, uh, you know, don't give up, or hang in there, or go, move on. But the truth of the matter is, true faith in God doesn't waver because, let me tell you why, because when your faith is in God and not yourself, we trust God even when we waver. Okay. Because we don't do everything right all the time. At least I don't. I know all you beautiful saints do, but your pastor doesn't. Your pastor doesn't. I, don't, I make mistakes. I do things that really, honestly, let me just be real. Can I just be real? All right. I do things that are not godly because I'm human. But God doesn't change because I do ungodly things. That's why I need the conviction of God in my life to bring order in my life when I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Paul said it this way, the things that I know to do, I don't do. Now, if Paul is messing it up, I think probably some of us are too. But the truth of the matter is, when I understand who I am, because I mess it up, does it change my approach to God either? Are you with me this morning? So because I messed it up doesn't mean that I don't come before God as a child and say, you're still a good God, and I'm still your child. All right, I'm just going to preach right here a little bit. Listen, religion will make you throw in the towel when you mess up because your relationship with God is based on performance and duty and rules and regulations. Are you saying, Pastor, there's no rules and regulations and no yes and no's and yay and amens? Yes, there is. But my performance is not based on that. For when sin abound, grace does much more abound. So when I sin, I have an advocate with the Father. I don't quit because I mess it up. As a matter of fact, when I mess it up, I recognize the frailty of my humanity and I know that I need more of him. So what I'm praying for is more, God, because there's something obviously that I'm, I can't do that you must do, and so I'm going to join my faith with yours and not waver. You're going to make me complete. You're going to make me holy. You're going to make me righteous. You're going to do the things in me that cleanses this a filthy place. And this, for this is the temple of God. And you're going to heal these things in my heart so that I may continue in the goodness of God. Am I making sense this morning? So the grace of God is not a ticket for us to sin. But the grace of God overcomes the sin in our life as our journey as we fulfill the purpose of God. Are you with me? And so we have to, at some point in our life, surrender to the goodness of God and know who we are, or we will continue to pray out of desperation, out of begging, instead of saying, God, I'm your kid, you're my dad, all is well. I father five girls and a son-in-law and a wannabe. <laughs> and uh, I father them. And as I father them, there are things that I have to say 
to discipline them, to correct them, and to encourage them to do what they're supposed to do. But when they don't uh, uh, comply, I don't quit being a father. Oh, well, sorry, I'm not your dad anymore. You did not live up to my standard. As a matter of fact, as a father's heart, when I see them broken, when I see them hurting, is when I step up my game as father. That's when I come to their rescue. That's when I embrace them. That's when I, when I say, hey, you, I, I'm going to invade your life a little bit with my love so that you'll know that you have a safe place. I just really feel right now we need to pause for a minute because I, I think so many times we're stuck in this place of this religious thing. And look, I'm not saying that when I say religious, I'm not talking about being born again, child of God, believes in the blood of Jesus. I'm not talking about that part. I'm talking about man-made religious stuff. That we get stuck in it and we miss the whole understanding of our Father. And so a lot of our Christian life, this feels like it's going in a different direction than I planned it. A lot of our Christian life feels like we're on a treadmill desperately trying to run a race and going nowhere. And it's exhausting. I want you to step off the treadmill for a moment and realize there is a race to run, but you're running it with a good daddy. And when you can't run anymore, he picks you up and carries you the distance. That's why the scripture says when you've done all, chill. Pash's version. When you've done all, just rest, chill, stop there. It's okay. Don't beat yourself up. As I said last Sunday, just kind of fall back in the arms of God and rest. And let him take you the distance. Okay. Everybody got that? If you got that, say amen. amen. So true faith in God does not waver. Hebrews 11 and 1 and 3 from the Passion says, Now faith brings our hope into reality and brings the foundation needed to acquire the things no longer far. For all the advance, advance required to prove what is still unseen. The testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. Faith empowers us to see that the, un, the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's word. He spoke the invisible realm giving birth to all that is seen. So God spoke into the invisible realm giving birth to all that was seen. And I, I want to remind you that God, and then goes on to talk about how faith and God just, you can speak to the, un, the things that you can't see. Yeah. You go ahead and read, when you get home, this is your homework, read all of 11 and see all the great men and women of faith, how they walked in faith because they believed, not because they accomplished anything. Yeah. We're looking to God who is the author and the finisher of our what, were y'all here this morning? He's the author and the finisher of our, 
And our faith is not within ourselves; It's in knowing who he is. And so he authors it and he finishes it by us stepping into what we cannot see and believing for the unseen. <laughs> so let's reel this back a little bit. That's why when I look at myself in the mirror, what I see is not what I see. When I say that, that's not all of you, there's more of you that hasn't been revealed yet. Lord, give me the wisdom to see the rest of me that hasn't been revealed. Are you with me this morning? I'm growing in God. I'm on a journey. I haven't arrived yet. I'm still working on it. Our faith is not uh, based on something that uh, we can see or the ability to determine the outcome of the situation based on our understanding. Because my understanding sometimes is limited. My understanding is how this is going to come to pass is limited, but my faith is based on trusting God about the things we don't see and not knowing the outcome. Faith is where we live in the uncertainties of life. If you're in this room today, you're either now living in some uncertainty of life, you have lived in some uncertainty of life, or you will live in some uncertainty of life. I'm going to give you one promise in this place today that you can count on. Life is will be life and stuff happens and you've just got to learn to know that in the middle of the stuff that God has not changed God has not changed this is the foundation of all of this understanding who we are so oftentimes we don't understand who we are because of the uncertainty of life makes us second guess ourselves. But we're not second-guessing ourselves. We're really second-guessing God in us because, we, because he's the hope, not us. Faith gives us confidence to live as we move from our now to our next. The scripture says we go from glory to glory. So I'm moving from my now to my next. Everybody say a journey. So when I get to my next... I'm then living in my now, and guess where I'm moving to? My next. When I get to the next, I'm living in my now, and I'm moving to my next. All right. In between these things is God working in me, fulfilling the purpose and the destiny he has for my life. Bring me a chair up here real quick. God is my hope. He's my foundation. He's my purpose. He's my peace. We talked about that last week. Come on, old man. Thank you. So we have a choice. Hey, bring me two chairs. We have a choice. Put it over here, right here. We have, two, we have a choice. We have a choice to be in control and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take the wheel. I'm going to drive my life. I got a plan for my life. I like, there's something about me I like that I'm going to do and this, that, and the other. I'm going to take the wheel, and I'm going to be in control. Or we can say, God, I trust you, and I'm just going to ride over here and enjoy the scenery. Yes, Lord. Thank you for taking me here. Wow, I would have never saw that before had I not trusted you 
with the wheel. Because I would have went a different route. I would have had a different plan. I would have done a different thing because I wanted to be in control over my life. Now, I heard Chris Valton say a few years ago that God is not in control. He's in charge, and that messed me up. <laughs> I, I, was, I was at the gym. Emily had tried to get me healthy and gave me a birthday a present to, to Franco's. It didn't work, but <laughs> it was a good thought. And I was at the gym working out, and I had my, uh, I, my, I listened to a podcast, and, and he said, God is not in charge, and I just immediately turned it off because it messed me up. I was like, wait a minute, I, I've been preaching for however many years. I've been hearing preaching all my life. God, what do you mean God is not in charge? Yes, God is in charge. You are wrong, Chris Valentin. And then I turned it back on, and he explained that. He said, God is not and God is not in charge. I'm control. I'm sorry. God is in charge. I'm saying that backwards. God is not in control. God is in charge. Yeah. And, then it, and then I said, wait a minute. You know what? That is so true because we have a choice to control our life. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the driver of my car. And God, you sit behind, beside me, and I'll let you know when I need you. Because I'm going to have lots of wrecks because I'm, I'm in control. I'm controlling my life, Lord. How you like it? How you like me now? Are you understand what I'm saying this morning? When we learn to say, you know what? I am in control of my life. God gave me a choice, and this is my choice. Jesus, like the song says, take the will. I'm surrendered to your purpose. I'm surrendered to your plan. I'm surrendered to your goodness. I'm surrendered to your mercy. I'm surrendered to your grace. I'm surrendered to your joy. I'm surrendered to your peace. See, when we talk about surrendering to the Lord, oftentimes we talk about, oh, I got to be surrendered to God. I got to go through the dark life. You know, we make being surrendered to God like it's a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a joy to be surrendered to God. Because in, in, in that surrender to God, all the blessings of God are being bestowed upon my life. I'm just like an open funnel that says, come on, God, more. Wow. Um, when you're surrendered to God, you're surrendered to the conviction of God. Now, I want to explain something to you in the house today because this is a religious mindset sometimes of conviction uh, I, I want to help you with. Conviction is not condemnation. Conviction's not saying you didn't do so well. Bad girl, go to your room. Don't come out. That's not conviction. Conviction is more demonstrated like this. Come here, Tony. I love you, son. Come on, let me walk with you. Now, there's some things in your life that are not 100%, but I want them to be. There's some blessing upon your life that you're not walking in, but you could. There's some things in your life, some gifts and some talents and some things in your life that you haven't fulfilled. But you know what? There's some things in your life that's hindering those things. So what I want to do is help you to overcome them so you can be all that I created you to be. 
That's a whole lot different, ain't it? So now we all want to pray right now. Lord, give me conviction in my life. Give me conviction in my life that I can walk with you in peace. Praise God. So our faith is not something based on what we can see, but it's based on who God created us to be and trust in him. So don't let the things in life that you see around you determine where you're going. And don't let the things around you that you see in life deter you from where you're going. So God is good. Matthew 6, 24, Amplified. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, and he will stand by and be devoted to the one and despise and be against the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, word mammon here can mean deceitful riches, money, passions, whatever you're trusting in. You know, we, we talk about money. We have to understand throughout Scripture from through the Bible, currency changed with time. We think about dollars, but some things were traded or some things were used. Power, position, all of those things are part of currency. And so sometimes we can be deceived the enemy will want to deceive us to live in a place where we're empowered by something we put our trust in other than God. And how many knows that you can make all the money in the world and be spiritually bankrupt? And so we can serve something. We can serve. We can't, we will serve whatever we're serving, whatever we're a slave to. We're going to, whatever we worship is what we're, we're going to serve. So whatever you're worshiping is what will control your life. Are you with me this morning? So who and why do you worship God? We don't worship God because we have to. He gives us a choice. We worship God because he loves us and we love him back. And he grants us his goodness. Are you with me? And so when we're serving God, we're, we're hating the world. We're hating the things of the world. There has to be, it, there ha, that's a strong word, hate. You know, we tell our kids with resume, don't use that word. That's a strong word, hate. But God declares over our life that we hate the worldliness of this world and we are lovers of God. Yeah. Are you following me? Yeah. So that's not talking about people. We talk about worldliness. We're not talking about people. We're talking about the spirit of this world. We hate those things because we're lovers of God. We hate the influence of the worldliness of this world because we're lovers of God. And so we stand in the promise of God, believing that, that I'm going to serve you, and out of serving you, you're going to raise me up to be who you created me to be. Because I'm a lover of God. So we cannot serve two masters. Some, something you're going to do in life, you're going to make a choice of who you're going to serve. And it's not possible to walk in two directions at the same time. A double-minded 
person is confused in his thoughts and leads to his actions and his reactions to become, and that becomes his pattern and his behaviors of life. I want to say that again. A double-minded person and a confu- is confused in his thoughts that lead to his actions and reactions. That becomes a pattern of his behavior and life. When you're double-minded, it's going to lead to your action and your reaction to life. And that has become your pattern of life. I cannot walk in two directions. I cannot have two minds. I cannot have two goals. I can't have one foot over here serving this master and another part of me serving this master. When I was much younger, I'd have people pull these chairs apart and show you how that works out. I won't do that today. I have to live with my mind stayed in one position. This is my place in the kingdom of God. This is who he created to me, and I'm never going to step over here and wonder if this is not good enough. I'm living in the purpose and the plan of God. And so I'm standing in one world and one mind and one accord with him. Am I making any sense to you this morning? When I try to stand in two worlds, things are going to go really bad. I'm not going to know who I am in Christ. Here's the funny thing about this. You don't know who you are in Christ, and you don't even know who you are in the world. I won't bore you with the details of this, but when I tried to live in the world knowing I was called to Christ, it was still a strange place, and people would tell me, you don't even belong here. You're not even a good bar person. You're not a good drunk. You're not a good, you're not a good drug addict. There's something about you that's different, because you know when I get high, I get the Bible out and preach to people. True story. Because I was a double-minded man. I was very unstable because I was trying to live in two worlds, knowing my purpose and knowing my calling, but living over here because of my fear. Are y'all with me this morning? Yeah. Am I helping anybody? Good. All right. So it's not possible to walk in two directions. A double-minded person is confused in his thoughts that lead his action, his reaction, become a pattern, his behavior. So when you see that pattern of behavior in your life where you're flip-flopping back and forth, you need to recognize where that's coming from. Because a man, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So that passage of Scripture can say, if I think in my heart that I'm good, I can speak goodness over my life. But if I think in my heart other things, I can speak that over my life as well. So when people say, well, I'm nobody. Well, I'm messed up. Well, I will never achieve. Well, I will never do anything. You're speaking things over your life, and you're becoming a believer of the things that you're speaking. I cannot do that. I'm not capable of doing that. I don't know how to do that. We're over here. You're saying, I can do all things to Christ which strengthen me. I'm not complete, but I'm on the place. I'm in the right place with the right, at the right time doing the right thing because God's going to complete this for me. Yes. <coughs> I'm trusting him. I can't be a good dad. I can't be a good husband. I can't be a good man of God. I don't have the ability. It's not in your ability. I am who God says I am. I will be what God says I will be. I will walk in the goodness of God. 
Am I making sense? So as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if our thoughts and patterns one way one minute and another way the next minute, a person will never be confident in who he is in God and who God says he is, and they will never walk completely in the ways of the Lord. So we have to have our mind stayed upon him. So if you always have conflict in yourself and it affects your belief system and there is no core values to guide you, I'm, I feel like probably before I finish this series that I'm just going to preach a whole entire message on core values and what they look like so that you understand how to walk in the core values of life. Because here's what happens in core values. And I won't just stay on this a second. When we have core values, when we drift off the pattern of our core values, our core values call us back to purpose. That doesn't mean that I'll always do what I'm supposed to do. That means I have a foundation to know what I'm supposed to do. So <clears throat> you can never lean in, into the promises and the power of God in your life if you don't understand who you are. And your mind is open to confusion of the world around you, but there is confidence and peace when your mind is fixed on the things above. James 1, verse 6, out of the message. Ask boldly, believing without a second thought. People who worry their prayers are like wind-whipped waves. Don't think... You're going to get anything from the master that way. A drift at sea keeps all your options open. This is what I'm going to finish with today. Team can come. We live in a world today with a generation of people who always likes to leave their options open. You can grab these chairs for me. I love my sweet kids. But I'll ask them a question. They won't give me a definitive answer because if I'm even trying to get them to commit to dinner, which we know they hunger, <laughs> they will leave their options open because something better than me might come along. <laughs> Here's the problem with that, and this is how it works in the kingdom of God. So I cook dinner, and I don't buy them I don't buy enough food for them. No options come available and they show up at my house and wonder why there's not enough food. You didn't commit. So you didn't get fed. Now their mother has more mercy than I do. She'll always cook too much and we'll have leftovers. But for me, recently I cooked some steaks and um, my only son-in-law showed up later <coughs> to let me know at the tail end that they were coming. And so my wife sent me to buy more steaks. I said, no, I'm not going to buy no more steaks. He should have committed when he was invited. <laughs> he, had, he thought there might be a better option. Well, the truth of the matter is he didn't know we were having steaks. And when he found out it was steaks, <laughs> then he wanted to reopen the option. It's a true story. Listen, there's not any better option than this. This is the best plan. It's the best thing going. It's the best gift ever. 
And your life will be so different if you commit to it. If you just say, God, I'm all in. God, I, 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 I don't want to have my plan and your plan. I want my plan to be your plan. Pastor, if, you, if you're saying that if I'm all in, does that mean all of my troubles are going to go away? No, I'm not saying that. I don't even want you to believe that. Because I know some people that's sitting in this room today that have been all in, and life didn't go the way you planned. Life didn't go how you planned it to go. Things happened that you didn't plan for them to happen. Situations happened. People let you down. Circumstances came your way that you couldn't control. Disappointments in life happen. But here's what I'm going to tell you. When you're all in, you have a comforter. When you're all in, you have peace that passeth all understanding. When you're all in, there's anointing for your mind and your heart and your spirit. I'm going to finish this next week. But I want you, to, I want you today, I want you to think about this. I want to get all in for God. I, I don't want to be out there on the sea with options and just being tossed to and fro with the winds of the world. Let, let me speak to this. Holy Spirit just dropped this in my life. Neither do I want to let the, the, the spirit of this world, even in religious things, like we're always looking for something more, something this or something that, and there's, there's these strange winds of doctrine that blow through, and we attach ourselves to them trying to get a hold of something that's going to, just for a moment... But you see, the foundational thing is what's written in his word and the apostles' doctrine and the belief on Christ and being baptized in the fullness of God and knowing who he is. And then you get into that purpose and that plan of God. There is no options. And he will lead you and guide you in all truth and wisdom will come in your life. And you won't have to go looking for something because it'll be coming to you. Oh, no, you didn't get that. Come down just a little bit. I'm going to say that again. When you get no options, you don't have to go looking for something. You just get your eyes set upon him, and revelation is coming to you. <laughs> Come on, let me just preach to you another minute. When you understand who he is, he's going to start, and you start getting to that, he's going to start unveiling, un, unveiling his secrets to you. He's going to start bringing revelation to your life. He, you get behind in a, 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 in a closed doors and a closet of prayer with him. He's going to peel those things back and say, here's all that I have for you. Stand with me. I'm not done, but I'm going to quit.